Thanks for checking out our Legacy Church podcast. We know you'll be blessed and encouraged. Now here's today's message. A panel that's focused on marriage. And the reason why is that in this church, we believe strongly in marriages and in making sure that marriages are healthy, set up for health in God's ways. And also for those who are not married and aspiring to or want to be married, hearing wisdoms from these couples. Um, so with that being said, do you have anything you want to share? There's definitely a lot of wisdom that's going to be shared. I mean, we're eight years in, which we'll probably say later, but we have 30 plus years of wisdom coming up here, 16 years, 20 years. It's, it's awesome. It's so awesome. And I, I just saw they, they put our kids up. So we have three little ones um, and she's also pregnant. So we got a fourth one on this way. God is good. So with that kind of being said, I want to invite our first couple up, Jared and Natalie Burrows. They're awesome leaders in our church. They've been serving in our church faithfully for so many years, and we are so grateful for you two. Um, our second um, panel panelist is Chris and Kristen Baldwin, if they can join us up. They take be fruitful and multiply literally. So they have how many kids here? One, two, three, four, five, six, six kids. Woo, half a dozen. That's awesome. And last but not least, uh, our very own Pastor Ron and Lori Tamali. They've been married for 38 years. How awesome. Let's give them a round of applause. Let's honor them for that. 38 faithful years serving the Lord, serving his people. So that's our panel. So you guys can have a seat. Like I said, this is also a great opportunity. If you have a notebook or a pen or paper, or even your phone, um, write down stuff that sticks out to you. There's so many times in my own life and in our lives, I was looking back at notebooks that God speaks, and sometimes we forget. You know what I mean? We forget because of life. But I encourage you to write it down. Amen? I'm starting. <laughs> so like I said, and like Carlos was saying, there's just so much wisdom. Like last service, it was just so awesome. So we're just going to dive right in. Um, first question, we're going to start off easy. How did your relationship start? Who pursued who? And what was your first impression of your spouse? We'll have Chris. He's getting ready already. Oh, Kristen. There we go. There we go. Ladies first. So we met when I was young. I was a teenager, and he was a little bit older, a little bit. And so um, nothing could happen, but we would always go out on Friday nights after church to a pizza place, and I would wait until there was nobody left to give me a ride home, and he thought I was an irresponsible teenager, but I knew what I was looking for, and it just Whoa. took him a while to realize I was a lot older, okay, we'll just say that. But um, I, I just, uh, I, she grew up in the church, and uh, just seeing, seeing this girl grow up and be uh, molded and, and shaped by, by God in, the, in this place, like, it was such an awesome thing. And that, that in and itself is like, uh, is an attraction, because you see that this is, this is what I want in a woman, God. So eventually I gave in when she was 18, Okay, so. <laughs> Happy to hear that. Yes. <laughs> I would say Jared pursued me first for a while. Um, and one of the things that I love about him and that caused me to marry him is because he has a boldness. Um, it's not always used in the best way. So, <laughs> I mean, as the years go on, he's got a lot more wisdom. But 
There were some times where he was just bold and not in the smartest way, but I love him. Well, I just suddenly changed the thing that attracted me <laughs> the most about Natalie. Uh, we met in the Marines. We met at uh, our first school in the Marines, which was language school. So uh, meeting her, I knew that she was determined for her goals. She became a Marine. She was in this language school. You have to be very smart to get into the language school. And the accomplishments she's done since then only proved me right. But I knew that she was a determined person. And when she put her mind towards something, she would accomplish it. Like later on in life when she ran a marathon and earned a master's degree and has an amazing job and a beautiful family now. Like It only proved me right with time. But that's what first attracted me to her. Well, I met my husband in church, which I highly recommend. It's a great place to meet your mate. And he definitely pursued me, even though he says something different. <laughs> um, but what attracted me to him was, um, first of all, I thought he was a cutie. Um, but most importantly, what attracted me to him was his passion for the Lord. He had gotten saved, and he was in the worship team playing his guitar. And I could just see his passion while how he worshiped the Lord. He gave it his all. And that was what cemented the deal for me. I was a hunk, but now I'm a chunk. <laughs> you know, um, wherever we go, people look at Lori and they ask her, are those your real eyes? And so she has beautiful eyes. And so... Um, I had to new, use something else. So I, I say, Lori, you know what attracted to me to you was your corduroy pants. <laughs> but um, we did meet in the church. And um, I thank God. I, I, you know, there's no, no way, no doubt that Lori would have never, ever um, dated me if I wasn't a Christian, wasn't in the church. And... and a guy, Ron, who raised her, her, her brother-in-law, really her dad, because he raised her, um, he would have killed me. And uh, he threatened me when he first met me. But, um, but I thank God that the church is an opportunity for people to meet. And there's no greater place to meet. And I did pursue her, but um, I thank God for the church. If it wasn't for the church, if it wasn't for Jesus, we would have never been together. And so the greatest place to meet a spouse is in the house of the Lord. All right. Let's keep the joke, joy going. The joy going. That's what I meant. Um, is there a funny moment of something that's happened in your marriage you are willing to share? Of, co <laughs> of course. Okay. So I would say the romantic um, engagement, you know, asking her to marry me. You know, I used to hate it when she would bring this up because I was embarrassed about it. But so me, the stud that I am, decided to take her to a favorite restaurant, which at the time was McDonald's, <laughs> and try to slip the ring in the fry box. <laughs> so she said yes anyway. So, <laughs> but guys, that's not the way to do it. Just so there's my story. <laughs> I just thought of one quick thing that's kind of funny about the beginning is um, I asked him to come to all my proms, and he said no. So I went with someone else to all my proms, so he missed out. 
I don't know if I have any stories that I could share. <laughs> I have lots of stories. I just don't know if I can share them here. <laughs> but uh, I do remember one time where Jared decided, this was when we were still friends and he was trying to win me over, but he decided to bring me the goalpost pad that he took off the football field in the middle of the night. And I said, no, take that thing, get that thing out of here. This is illegal. <laughs> And a few days later, it appeared back at the football field, but it took a few more months to get me. I had to hide it in my wall locker because we were active duty living in the barracks. When she didn't accept it, I had to hide it in my wall locker in my room for about three weeks before I could get a chance to sneak it back where it came from. Thank you. Can, can we hear the why? Like, that's so, that's so, we got to hear the why. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, uh, Next question, please. <laughs> well, I have a very funny story. Um, we were on a cruise with the a friend of friends of ours, another husband and wife from church, and we were all sitting down together having a beautiful dinner. And my husband excused himself to go to the men's room, and he he leaves, and we wait about five minutes, ten minutes. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then I started to get nervous. Did he get lost? Did he fall over? Well, what's going on? So I sent the other gentleman, our friend, to go find him, but before he could go out the door, here comes my husband, runs in and sits at the table looking, like, very pale, and I'm like, what in the world happened to you? And he goes, I don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, something's bad. Like, what happened? I don't want to talk about it. So finally, your friend Tim got it out of you. He said, Lori, I went into the restroom, and as I was <laughs> sitting there, I heard a guy come in with a really high voice. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I heard some more high voices, looked at the feet, and saw I was in the ladies' room. <laughs> he said, so it took a good 20 minutes before they all cleared out so I could run out of there. Anyway, it was funny. That's a true story. That is awesome. So we're going to go to our next question. What's one practical thing you have done that's benefited your marriage? Letting me answer. <laughs> um, one practical thing that we've done in our marriage, I think, is uh, we have always made sure that we don't let things go for too long. I mean, as far as if, if, we, if we're um, having difficulties or frustrations with each other, eventually we're going to have to make sure that we make it right. I mean, we can, we can allow things to, to get to us and to really... Uh, uh, take us down and get us into a place of bitterness. But if, if you allow yourself to stay in those things, you become bitter, you become resentful, and you don't even realize you're, you're doing it, but all of a sudden you're, you're, you're looking at your spouse not as your, as your significant other, you're looking at them as your enemy. And that's exactly what the enemy does. So we definitely make sure that we don't let things go for too long. Um, I would just say, we talked about this before, but just making each other a priority. You have to make sure that um, in the list of priorities, you know, God is always first, but your husband, your spouse comes next before your kids, before the house, before your job, before all those other things, making sure your priorities are in order. 
Um, practically speaking, I would say um, finances are the number one cause of fights in many marriages. So when it comes to finances, we put up a couple safeguards. Um, number one, we don't have separate accounts. We have shared accounts. Um, and when it comes to budgeting, um, I don't just ask her to do it because I don't like to do it. Because she don't need another kid. She already has three. She don't need a fourth one that she has to budget for. So I don't want to put that on her either. But we've learned that when it comes to finances, if we put up these safeguards, it will really benefit our marriage and take away a lot of the, the stupid arguments that enter into the, the relationship. So we budget together and we have all of our shared accounts. Uh, the question, question is, what is one practical thing you have done that's benefited your marriage? One thing that I think needs to be practiced on an ongoing basis is to always operate with gratitude because the devil comes, especially when you're in marriage for many, many years and things can get old and weary and things that might have been cute at the beginning of your marriage later on might be the very things that irk you and cause you to get into all kinds of arguments. And so I just know in my life I've lost a lot of close relatives in my immediate family um, and because of that, I treasure the moments I have with those that are still around. And so when I practice those moments of thankfulness, I might be upset, something might bother me, but when I start to rehearse in my mind everything I'm thankful for about my spouse, it turns your whole mindset around and it closes the door of your mind to the ways of the enemy that wants to bring you down a whole different road. Everything she said. Um, something practical that we do is we we spend we are deliberate about spending time alone. And um, I know we talked about this at the first service, but at the ten-year mark of our marriage, we had kids, and we decided that we needed time alone, not just always having children and the responsibilities and the weight of financial responsibilities and, and ministry and so forth, but we need to get alone. And, um, and so we started getting alone. We determined once, once a year, one week a year, we're going to figure out how to care for our children and we're gonna go away. And it was, it was an eye opener for us and all the leaders of the church, including our senior pastor, Pastor Steve, he got a revelation about this. And we became like, um, like we were back on, on dating. There's no one else but you and your wife. You're in a strange place, and it refreshed the feelings. It refreshed the emotions. We, we put away our responsibilities for a week, and it was really a practical way to bring restoration to your marriage, and it's really been beneficial. I encourage all couples to find time where you just get alone and, and refresh your marriage. And that's a very spiritual thing to do because if you, if you lose your marriage, you lose a lot. Yeah. You lose your marriage as ministers, you lose your ministry. Um, if your marriage falls apart, you hurt your children, you know. Not that God can't redeem, thank you, the Lord, that he is a restorer. But as believers, we have to apply wisdom and we need to invest in our marriage and figure out how to do that. That's so good. I love that example um, and seeing you guys as our pastors 
you know, taking that time to pour into each other because it's important, especially with growing families and like us having little kids, the romance looks different and your relationship changes, but you want to keep your spouse as a priority because your children, as hard as it is to say, they're a temporary assignment. Your, your spouse is going to be there forever. They should be there forever. They should be your best friend. You should be talking with them, like keeping that relationship um, and that fire alive. That is one of our questions. I don't know if anyone would, would like to add to that. Um, like, how do you keep the fire burning when the romance starts to, to wane? Um, for me, one of the things that I have to work on is a lot of the times for a woman, it's in my thoughts. He doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't care about me. And my thoughts take hold. And so I have to use that verse, take every thought captive. And sometimes you even have to say it out loud. No, my husband loves me. No, he's a great provider. No, look at what he does for our children, for our family. And saying those things, reminding yourself, is changing the dialogue and then reminds you why you fell in love in the first place. I'll say something. Um, I think on my side of it, uh, it's very easy as, as a guy to kind of get caught up in work and, and all of the responsibilities of uh, trying to take care of the family. And then, like, like you were talking about with the kids, uh, it, it's, there's always something going on. But intentionally saying, God, uh, help me to make her a priority. Help, help me to, to find ways to show her that I love her, to show her that I care, to show that, I, uh, that she's, just not, she's just not my roommate. You know, because it can it can very easily get into where you, you guys are just kind of living together, and but but we're we're a team, and so I say, God help me, help me to do this right, help me to show her. So. I think um, I would just agree with that, being intentional and being able to recognize when those moments come. Sometimes we don't recognize them right away until it's like so far that we're like, whoa. Um, and you, there's easy ways. I mean, putting the kids to bed early. Um, going out for a night, just getting a sitter for one night um, for young families. Um, but those things take planning. That's why it's so important to be intentional because um, you have to set it up. And especially as wives, we have to set it up. Otherwise, it won't happen. Um, I learned about five years ago that, that flowers are an amazing gift when you get in trouble, but also they're an amazing gift for random events. You don't have to be in trouble to buy her flowers and oftentimes I'll come home from the, gro I'll go grocery shopping and I'll pick up a bouquet of flowers. Or, or I'll come home from work and I'll stop intentionally to bring home a bouquet of flowers. And, and the more randomly it is, the more randomly you do it, the happier the house is. You know, she cuts them and puts them in a vase in the kitchen and it's nice to look at. It creates a nice smell in the kitchen. The kids see it and say, Mommy, who got you flowers? Hey, it was me. I brought those flowers. Like, <laughs> it's nice to bring flowers for random occasions. Um, I agree with my husband about investing in your marriage. You know, um, as adults, we invest in our jobs. We invest 40 hours a week. We invest in the stock market to increase our financial portfolio. We come to church and we invest our time and our energy in ministry. So how much more do we have to practically say, I need to invest my time and my energy and my money on my spouse? It's an intentional decision that you have to make, but I'm telling you the returns will be greater than what you get on Wall Street. 
We're talking about um, romance and fire. We're going to do a marriage um, enrichment time in April, and we'll get deep into different things. But let me say this, that intimacy is really important in a marriage. It's very spiritual. It's necessary. Um, we had a marriage uh, seminar once, and our senior pastor, Pastor Steve, mentioned that intimacy is like a nuclear bomb. It has a way of destroying all the stuff that needs to be destroyed and bringing people back together again. It recharges, and, um, and it's necessary. And lots of times, um, especially for men, you know, um, men are built differently. You know, sometimes women want their husbands to be like them. Well, that's not how God's created us. We're created to be men. And... Um, and women are created to be women, you know, and be wooed and so forth. And so you have to figure that whole end of marriage out. But it's important. It's important. It's important. Sometimes people have to get healed in that area because it was abused and so forth. But that is important to have in a marriage. You have to have that fire. You have to have that, that romance. You have to have that intimacy. And, um, and you have to figure that out. Um, if, that's, if that's not in a marriage, um, it negatively affects the marriage. It negatively affects the marriage. It's important that you have that. And um, our next question is, how is conflict resolved in your marriage? And what do you do if you can't agree? We never have conflict. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. I can tell you that's not true. <laughs> Spending time in the office. Um, no, hey, I can say, uh, you know, when it comes to the point where it gets to the point where you can't resolve it, that's when you go to your leadership and you say, we, we need help. Because we've tried what we, we've tried everything that we know how to do, but uh, going to, going to someone that can, that's been through stuff and, and that, has godly, godly counsel to give you. That's one of the biggest things. Um, we try our best to make sure that we uh, communicate, as, you know, communicate with each other what's going on, like how we're feeling about things. It doesn't always come out the same, come out the right way, but if we don't try to make the effort to find out why they're feeling the way they are, and they don't, and vice versa. They don't try to figure out why you're feeling the way. Because like Pastor Ron said, we're made different. Men and women are made different. So our trying to rationalize things as a man is not the same way that she would think about it. She's thinking it from other aspects. So we have to try to uh, communicate with each other. And men, when she's talking, just listen. And, and women, when he's talking, listen. Try to understand where they're coming from. And then you can come to a compromise. And if it, if it gets to the point where it's still not happening, that's when you go and get counsel. But for the most part, Holy Spirit will, will, will meet you when you guys are doing that. Oh, just along the same lines. I just, you have to remember that just because their opinion is different doesn't automatically make it wrong. They have a different experience. They have a different insight. They have wisdom that's been given to them. And as a couple, you're together for a reason. So together you make the best decisions. 
And the only other thing I would add is um, you may not resolve the argument that day. And the difference is, instead of holding on to your anger, you know that verse that says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. It doesn't mean you're going to resolve that argument that day, but it means you have to let go of the bitterness. You know, as a woman, sometimes we can even just replay the argument. I'm like, this is what I would have said, and this is what he would have said, and I keep going, and then the bitterness really takes root. You know, you have to let go of that. And then in a day or two, you come back and talk again. That's good. Um, so Jared and I are very passionate people and so when we have a disagreement it's very passionate and we don't always fight pretty Um, but we're we're real and we try to get it out we're not we don't usually carry it for days some you know sometimes things linger a little bit and we're like working on it but one of the things we're very intentional about is how we speak to each other and the language that we use Um, it's very important, I think, to be able to argue and to have an argument with your spouse without tearing them apart right. um, and speaking death over them and over your marriage. Um, so we can disagree and we can go at it, but we're not going to speak that and allow our children to um, hear that and receive that as well. Um, that's really important for us. We don't use the D word, as they call it. Um, we don't threaten each other with stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, it, sometimes it takes a little while to come back, you know. That's right. We have to remind ourselves that, that even in spite of what I'm feeling in that moment, it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change who she is as his yeah. daughter. It doesn't change who I am as his son. And you have to understand, even if I'm feeling these things, there is still respect due, no matter what I'm feeling. So you have to keep respect. And with the D word that we don't bring up, it reminds me of uh, the interview they did with Billy Graham and his wife years ago. And he kind of stepped out of the room and they asked his wife, in all these 50 years of marriage, has the word divorce ever come up? And Billy Graham's wife looks down at the table. She thinks for a moment and she looks up and she says, divorce, no, but murder, yes. (laughs) And it kind of made me feel a little bit of comfort that, okay, (laughs) okay, (laughs) now... Okay, sometimes it gets ugly, but, but we work that out, and we love each other and respect each other. Um, well, I just want to share a quick story with you. Um, when we were married and I had my two boys, um, after having two boys, I was ready for number three, and my husband says it's not, the, not really a good timing. We had just started the church. He was working full-time at the bank. And it just wasn't a good timing, so I put it on the shelf. A year or two goes by, I ask again, I really think I really want my baby girl. Nope, it's not the right timing. Okay, put it on the shelf. Four years go by, five years go by, six years go by, and we're still on the same thing. So sometimes you agree to disagree, but you submit and say, okay, God, when it's your timing, I know peace will be in the decision, and we'll both be in agreement. And so seven years go by, and I decided, you know what? I'm not going to ask him anymore to have number three. God, if it's meant to be, because the desire is so strong in my heart, Holy Spirit, you tell him, because I'm never going to ask him again. Like, I give it to you, because it was bothering me, and it was festering, and I couldn't sleep at night because I said, I just want my girl. Well, don't you know, right after I prayed that prayer, we had a special Friday night service, and my husband 
got prayer, and he got really touched by the Holy Spirit. Two weeks later, we're laying in bed, and he's just restless. You know when you sense on your spouse something's not right, and I'm like, what's going on? What's the matter? And he's like, nothing. And he's just restless. I'm like, what's going on? Nothing. He goes, all right, I have to tell you. And I'm like, what? What's happening? He said, remember two weeks ago I got prayer and God really touched me? And I said, yes. He said, he said something to me. I go, what did he say? And he said, it's time to give your wife her heart's desire. And so, of course, I got pregnant that very month. And I, and I had my daughter nine months later. <laughs> so I say all that to say, why didn't I ask the Holy Spirit seven years earlier? Because <laughs> he's so much better at convincing your spouse what to do and what not to do. So I say, give things to the Holy Spirit and don't be a nag, and he will make it come to pass. It's true. You know, uh, you know, we've been married for 38 years, so obviously we've had our, our amount of fights and, and so forth. But one thing that we don't do is we don't freak out. Um, we don't allow ourselves to get into the gutter to that level. You know, if you're going to get there, it's better to walk away, to get a hold of God, ask God to help you control your carnal nature, your flesh, which is wicked. Because the devil will use words to, you know, you're thinking you're going to hurt your spouse by saying certain things, but you're, you're hurting yourself. You know, the devil wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to separate and divide. And he will use words that will cut and pierce. And, and you can be really good at words and being right, you know. But God's not concerned with your being right. He's concerned with your reaction, how you're going to act. And so I would say we don't freak out. And, and as Christians, we have a helper we have someone that helps you. That's the Holy Spirit. And that's why, you know, here at the church, we're always trying to help people to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person who Jesus has given you. You need to develop a relationship with him and ask him for what you need. If you need peace, you ask for peace. If you need forgiveness, you need to ask for forgiveness. You need to ask him to be part of your marriage to help resolve things. And the last thing I want to say is... is um. You know, the buck has to stop somewhere, right? And so if you just can't agree, can't agree, can't agree. Um, I thank God that, you know, we look at the Bible, and the Bible says the wives submit to your husbands. And it doesn't mean you submit to him doing some type of evil to you. But it does mean that when you can't agree concerning the things of life, you have to go with somebody, right? And so God gives us divine order, and I thank God... Lori has always said, hey, you know, you're, you're in charge here, right? And, and then the Lord has a way of showing you that your wife was right all the time, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. um, many years ago, just God gave me the revelation because the word submission was just the connotation of it in the world. When you watch TV, when you watch movies, when you watch sitcoms, um, the word submission was like a dirty word. Oh, my gosh. A woman be submissive. That's so archaic. What an archaic thing to think about. And God just showed me there's freedom in submission, ladies. Because when you submit, 
and let your husband make the final decision. If it's a mess and it goes south, he's the blame. And guess what? It doesn't take long after he makes a few wrong decisions to start listening to you. So there's freedom in submission. Amen. She's got the wisdom of the house. Okay. Um, so I think a really important thing to take away from that is that just because you're married and just because you're a Christian, conflict will never come. That's right. That's it will always come. But there's rules that you can follow. There are boundaries that you set. There, are, there is the Holy Spirit that you turn to, which is so important to know as like a married couple, a Christian married couple, where it's like, oh, well, now we have a conflict. Now everything's going to fall apart. That doesn't have to be that way. Um, so, Pastor Ron, maybe you can touch on this too. Um, is it ever appropriate to share struggles you may be having in your marriage with others? And if so, with who? That's a good question. You know, the Bible gives us clearly the answer to that question. Number one, you don't ever seek counsel from the godless. Seek not ungodly counsel. You know, um, you don't go to unbelievers to give you the word of the Lord. Number two, you, you don't want to go bashing your wife or bashing your husband. Because remember, you're one, right? Marriage is one. So that's like going and punching yourself in the face, right? So you don't want to do that. Um, and then the Bible says that God has given you leaders. There's spiritual people that God will give you to give you the word of the Lord, to speak to you the way the Lord will speak to you so that you can get help. You know, I thank God that, you know, we've always grown up with with an honor of our pastors. And that's a blessing because we receive that covering. You know, some people have been hurt and they don't have anybody that they can go to because they don't trust authority. And that's like, you know, not having a parent. You know, you say, well, you, I can still be a child and not have a parent. Yeah, but it's not the best, is it, right? And so, you know, going to people that God's put in your life to get godly counsel, and, and, and it should never be something that's behind the back, you know, sneaking around, speaking poorly about your husband and trying to get all this stuff. And you got to be careful because that's when the devil comes in. And next thing you know is this woman's having an affair with her boss because she's talking to her male boss about her husband, and the devil will use that or just the opposite, Right? The husband goes to work, and, and there's a girl that's telling him that he's the greatest thing in the world, and next thing, he's telling his marital problems to this girl, and infidelity happens. You know, and that happens in and outside the church, and so we're very protective of that, and we're very wise, but God does give you people to help you, to help you. I think all of us, right, all of us have benefited from being pastored, there are people saying, hey, let's look at the Word of God. And, and receiving prayer, receiving prayer. I can't tell you how many people have come to, to us as pastors, and we didn't just pull out the book and say, do this, do that, do this. We said, we're going to come against the spirit. There's a spirit of divorce. 
and division that wants to destroy your marriage, destroy your children, destroy your grand. We're going to pray in the name of Jesus, and we pray and take the authority that God has given the church. And next thing you know, everything changes because it was a spiritual, a spiritual thing. It was a spirit. God has given us authority. And when you have that, as Christians, we have that benefit. You know, when you need that help, seek it from the right people. Amen? Um, I'm going to ask the last question, Pastor Ron. Can someone have a good marriage even, even if their spouse is not a believer yet or does not go to church? Again, that's, that's in the Bible, too. Um, the Apostle Paul talks about that issue. You know, first of all, it's not easy when someone is married to an unbeliever. Uh, and that's why the Bible says, you know, don't be unequally yoked, you know. Um, you know, I have a daughter at home who's single. She's solid as a rock in her faith. Um, there's no way she's going after a guy to just get a guy. She's waiting on the Lord for the best. She wants a spiritual man that God has for her because she can, she's happy. She's content in the place she's at. She has the Lord, you know. Um, so you don't want to enter into relationships that you're constantly hoping my boyfriend gets saved, my girlfriend gets saved, you know. Um, they call it missionary dating. I'm not sure that works too well. Um, but if you're home and you get saved, your husband's not saved, there's people here, the, the husband's saved, and the wife doesn't want to hear it. The Lord says, demonstrate Christ. Show them who Christ is. Love them. It's your husband. It's your wife. Love them. Care for them. Sacrifice for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Be kind to them. Let them see Jesus. Let Jesus be attractive to them through your life. Through your life. Because salvation doesn't, you can't force people. You have to pray for them. And God is patient. And that's the Holy Spirit gives you the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, do you need patience? Yes. But is it possible? I know we know people that have had great marriages, even though both of them have not gone to church together, because one carries the love of the Lord, and that love is what carries and blesses the home. And the Bible even says that the children come under the banner of that, the love of Christ, because one person's saved, you know. And so is it easy? No. And that's why I tell singles all the time, listen, you better make sure you're going to marry the person that God has for you because it's not easy constantly hoping, 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 you know. That's awesome. Well, we're so grateful for the wisdom you guys have. We're so grateful for you guys making the choice to follow Jesus and be an example to me and Denise and all those around us. And I just want to encourage those that, yes, this is kind of a heavy topic, but also that marriage is such a blessing. It's such a joy. It's so much fun. I Denise is my best friend, and, like, we, my thing with her is, like, we laugh at everything. And, like, I, I just encourage that with everyone. Like, so I love being married to my wife, and I want to encourage those who, who aren't married or seeking to be. It's, it's an awesome thing. Amen. 
Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with family and friends. It helps so much. For more content with Legacy and to connect with us, go to LegacyChurchRI.com. The best is yet to come.